Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 705 with a review of Men. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. And, uh, you know, Stephen, this being, uh, you know, episode 705, you know, that means we have done hundreds of episodes of the show. We have covered a range of films, um, covering all kinds of topics. And, you know, if we're honest, sometimes we got to just like talk out of our ass a little bit, you know, speak, attempt to be intelligent about things that we know nothing about. But Stephen, all of our patience and our dedication has finally paid off because now we have a film called Men. And right now we get to talk about it. I feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) Talk out of your ass. I mean, what can't orifices do that were meant for other orifices? (laughs) Um, But yeah, all all joking aside, um, you know, this is a film that, uh, you know, it's going to have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, You know, I had a bunch of different kind of little mini jumping off points that I wanted to throw at you. um, And then I kind of realized that they're all sort of in the meat of talking about what this film does. Um, and so there's no sense in spoiling, not even spoiling mm-hmm. the film, but just getting into those conversations early. We should probably just, uh, I don't know, how, how do you feel about just diving into men and uh, getting getting it yeah, over Yeah, I, I think we just count to three and shout men and high five each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I did, right. Right, be- right before this episode, I did literally have... I don't know if it's it's the manliest food, but it was literally just a steak between two pieces of bread with cheese on it, and I was just, and I was just like tearing into it, and I was like, this feels this feels adequate for this film. Yeah, I should have ordered a hungry man, but unfortunately, I didn't. In fact, I ate Mary's chicken, so I it, it wasn't even named after men. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Well, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Men, and then we're going to come back and give everybody a review. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Will it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh. God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking. I oh. <laughs> You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony. And let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Wanna play a game? You hide, I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. All right, so that was the trailer for a little film called Men, um, the latest film from Alex Garland, um, who brought us, you know, uh, things like Ex Machina, Annihilation, a bunch of films that I think we at least had a good time talking about on this podcast. And uh, yeah, it's basically the story of a woman who decides to take a small vacation in the English countryside after the death of her husband. And uh, yeah, some some interesting things happen to her while she's on this little vacation. So Stephen Miller, what did you think of men? 
Uh, so it's interesting because I feel like this is a combination of an Alex Garland movie and a totally not Alex Garland movie <laughs> in one. <laughs> uh, like, like it has a lot of Garland stuff, uh, man against nature. You know, we have a, a, a man covered in leaves who's otherwise nude. We have a stone tunnel in the middle of a forest. We have like this thing of like, you have like the beautiful world and then you have like the ugliness of man just shoved in there. Uh, you know, you have the idea of enemies as a sort of like inevitable progression. Uh, you know, an ex machina, Ava kind of has a march towards sentience that we can't control. Uh, Annihilation, it's like this weirdo shimmer creature that just like imitates every move. Uh, everything about Amaya in devs, like the control inherent in that. And then here we have, you know, it, it's in the trailer, even though not underlined. Uh, we have Rory Kinnear, his like unstoppable he is everyone and there's nothing you can do right right like like these are all very much in his wheelhouse like he has an idea people represent the idea and nothing a character does has agency or can really impact it in any way um then there's also stuff that is very much not alex garland at least not what i had ever thought of him as um body horror we are going to get into that i don't, I don't know if we're going to do spoilers or how we want to handle that but there's some there's some shit to talk about um <laughs> Just in general, there's like creepy crawliness and discomfort here that is not an intellectual discomfort, but a visceral, like, what am I looking at discomfort that feels new. Um, there is a, I would say, extreme lack of subtlety in this movie, which is not, he's always been a little heavy handed, but he does it in like very kind of cryptic ways. And here I feel like it's just all out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's just a, a man hanging full dong in front of you. Like there's nothing to hide. Um, <laughs> And it also, I think, every other thing that he's worked on, it has an interesting idea that you're pondering when the credits roll. You know, you're thinking through the ramifications of it and trying to game it out. Beyond symbolism, I feel like this movie is very much what you see is what you get. This is not a movie where there are, like, pieces of a puzzle that you're putting together in. This is, like, a pure feeling. Um so, like, how do I feel about those two movies? Well, I, I kind of resent what it put me through. Uh, as far as, you know, <laughs> movie dates last week go, I think uh, Downton Abbey 2 was much more successful <laughs> um, <laughs> than this one. Um, I found myself laughing at it when I think it wanted me to take it seriously. So, like, I don't know if I fully am aligned with the vision of the director. But also, I kind of love that a movie was able to make me feel so many things <laughs> that this made me feel like that, like squirmy, uncomfortable. Oh God, let me look away. What is going to happen next feeling? Like it has been a while since I felt that so viscerally. And this was a captivating experience. And I like, I kind of think I like that Alex went for it more than I feel confused about what he chose to go for yeah. like this is a movie that will like make you squirm and then instead of cut away it's gonna just do it four times in a row for like 10 minutes like like this movie is just like not trying to win you over at all and i like kind of love the the over-the-top commitment that Al garland had here i think this synthesizing of like a smart moody quiet movie with a totally bonkers gonzo movie is um i don't know if i ever want to watch it again but i think i lean on the side of being into it <laughs> I, I think that's where i landed after a very confusing couple days of thinking about it <laughs> how about you <laughs> yeah maybe this was a uh, one of the films that benefited from the fact that we're recording like multiple days after we'd seen it um yeah but yeah, so for, for me, uh, you know, like you, uh, I think this film is kind of a lot of different things. Um, some of it r really, really straightforward and obvious. And some of it is, uh, I, I want to say beautiful. Uh, some of it is beautiful. But other stuff mm -hmm. I'm going to say is like really interestingly depicted. <laughs> um, I, I think that um, all the aspects of nature of this little town um, is awesome. Like the the watching Jesse Buckley like walk through the forest and just take in the scenery. I I really I thought that was beautiful, and I really liked the feeling of watching her just in this moment of bliss. Whether it's supposed to be her walking around the Garden of Eden, or it's supposed <laughs> to be uh, just her looking at nature. 
who cares? I don't know. <laughs> um, but but I, I really enjoy just watching her experience this feeling of nature. And I, I was like, this place looks rad. Uh, is this actually on Airbnb? Can I get this little like cottage? That would be great to have. Um, but I, I think besides that, though, what we're getting into with all the mixed metaphors and sort of like the on the face things, I kind of don't know what Alex Gardner is doing. Like, it, mm. in one sense, it's kind of interesting, right? Like this idea of this one character, this one man playing all of the men in this film, like ignore the metaphor, ignore the metaphor completely. That is an interesting visual thing. Watching him play these very distinct characters is interesting. But the thing that is questionable for me is that, uh, Jesse Buckley doesn't recognize that. So this is a visual choice that is only for the audience. And the character who it's, quote, happening to is completely oblivious to the fact that this one person is all these characters. Never bats an eye at it. Never questions yep. it. Never notices it. Nothing. It's just all individual people. And that almost makes the on-the-nose metaphor of it more stressful. Like, if she was at... in, If she was... Uh, uneasy about the fact that everyone to her looks like the same person then she like we would be with her as opposed to we, we are these like outside observers of something that is happening to this character and you already talked about Alex Garland liking to tell stories where like nobody has agency and everything is sort of decided and happening to them and we're just watching how they respond to it for some yeah. reason this formula of doing the same thing bugs me in in a weird way, like it, it just, I, I didn't understand what he was doing, what it was so supposed to mean. And I just kind of was like, it's, it's visually interesting. I like that. Um, but I don't know what it adds to the story. And I don't know if subtracting the main character from it, it almost makes me, I mean, yeah, I, I, I am a man. So I am watching this film as technically an active participant in this, this, this yeah, you're, portrayal. You're rooting of, for Rory. <laughs> But, but like, I, I am inherently understanding of this portrayal of toxic ma masculinity. Right. But it's it's almost like, and maybe this is what he's doing on purpose, is because I'm the only one that recognizes it, now I'm an active participant in this force that is acting against her instead of, yeah. instead of just watching her try to elude what's happening to her. Um, so that really, really kind of didn't sit properly with me as I watched the film. But what I did like is, just as a psychological thriller... The the moment to moment beats of her arriving at her place and having things be off and interacting with all these characters like if you didn't make them all the same actor and they were all different actors, this film works perfectly already on, on its own. Right. Like so it's like I, I actually enjoyed the, the sort of creepiness of the interacting with these characters, how the tension builds, the moments where she is oblivious to some of the other things that are happening around her. And, and we do get to see it as like the, you know, the horror movie trope of like, we know there's somebody out the window. When is she gonna know there's somebody out the window? Like that kind of stuff all totally worked for me. There yeah. is, uh, there is one effect in particular that I really, really love in this film. Um, and it, it just, it just involves a hand. Yep. And, and I thought that was fucking, like as soon as that happened, I couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the movie. And even today, like it just, it, it, it's such a great effect and the way it's used, like it wasn't just an effect that was interesting. It was leveraged by the character to be even more menacing in a way, like, like the things they choose to do and the behaviors they act, which otherwise would be a completely normal behavior, such as washing hands. Um, right. <laughs> who was just like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is amazing. And, and, and for sure, I call call M Night Shyamalan because I think in terms of movies where one actor plays multiple characters, the wrong one was called Split. <laughs> am, I, am I right? <laughs> that that is true, Stephen. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. There is a great moment to like for the most part the the visual that you're talking about. You know, they they just are going about their life but it takes on a menacing tone there is one thing that a character like proactively does that utilizes how this happened in a way that a i get some like serpent tongue imagery which maybe kind of fits with the whole like soup of biblical references that this is playing with um, yeah. but it also is just so squirmy and creepy crawly yeah i i admire that visual as well
Um, so uh, if, if we can talk about it without getting too spoilery, what do you think actually about the biblical imagery? Do you think it actually plays nicely with the story is trying to tell? Or does it feel like a completely distinct otherness to it? So the way, like, I, I think the obvious comparison, and we maybe even talked about this on Sunday, I forget, is Mother, right? Like Mother is another movie where a director that has been widely beloved just like full on goes for it with a thing that includes biblical allusions. Um, what I would posit is where Mother, I think, is just beating you over the head with I am telling the creation story from start to finish with as many like allegories as I can to squeeze it in yeah. here. I think Alex Garland is just playing with imagery to serve a point. And I think his real point is this, this pattern of, you know, toxic masculinity, almost as like a literal toxicity of like, there's a poison that they are going to project outward on you, the woman on you, Jesse Buckley. And the original sin of that, like the first version of that is Adam and Eve, you know, and like the yeah. blame put upon woman for the fall of mankind. And I think that to me is as far as the biblical aspect really goes. And otherwise it is just about the, the way that toxicity evolves and presents itself in different eras and through different kind of people, you know, like it can be someone blaming you for eating the apple or it can be a fucking lunatic with weird bangs who's just being aggressive and charging like the boring <laughs> version of toxicity or it can be like a petulant little boy who like hates you for not doing exactly what he wants or uh you know, a holy person who blames you for the sexual desire that he feels as if it were your fault or the chivalrous person who thinks he's doing you a favor by ignoring you and then makes you feel guilty and tries to be a bigger person, even though he's not listening to you and like all culminating in a jerk off husband, <laughs> you know, who <laughs> it, it blames you for his reaction, for your reaction to his anger and makes himself into the victim. Like yeah. it, uh, it is all this repeated variations on a trick that happened where men turn around something negative about themselves and find a way to blame the woman for the reaction and make themselves the victim. Right. And I think that is kind of, what the movie is wrestling with and biblical illusions are only insofar as that is like the original man and woman myth. And also maybe because, you know, Alex Garland is a filmmaker and who doesn't like to have like biblical illusions in their horror visuals, you know, <laughs> but to me that is about as far as it went. Yeah. I, I guess for me, part of the reason why that, that biblical, like it, it feels like, it feels like Alex Garland first had this idea of all the apples falling from the tree and then reverse engineered. Oh, what if she takes a bite of the apple at the beginning of the film? And that's mm -hmm. like this metaphorical Eve taking of the forbidden fruit. But it does like in the context, she literally drives up. And before she gets to the front door of this like Airbnb, she just goes, huh, apple. Like I, I would almost rather have this try to make the metaphor make more sense where it's like she goes for that walk through this beautiful pristine forest and at the end of the forest instead of finding a tunnel she finds this tree with this really really interesting looking fruit like like use the metaphor as it exists in the story mm -hmm. already rather than just taking the imagery of it and converting it into uh, a thing that doesn't seem to make sense i don't know there's something about it yeah. that like i didn't quite understand where yeah. where he was taking it yeah, so I I will try to turn the metaphor into making sense, even though, again, I kind of think he's just playing with a visual there and not trying to recreate, you know, biblical story. Yeah. Uh, but I think it fits if you think of God as yet another man. You know, in this case, it's like <laughs> this arbitrary rule got set up that has no purpose, no reason behind it, and yet it becomes a reason to blame and violently aggress and ruin this person you know yeah, yeah. and i think if you take it in that vein then maybe the first interaction she has after eating the apple is more like god being the original man <laughs> um, <laughs> who is still doing this thing of like oh it's your fault you know yeah, you yeah. made me do this <laughs> you, and, and i think the, maybe that's you mean the little boy wasn't supposed to represent god <laughs> i maybe he does too i don't know though so, in terms of the uh the 
genealogy, if you will, that we get later in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think the little boy is something else, maybe something like medieval. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess for me, because there's no real consequence of the apple, it's just the weird joke that the host <laughs> yeah. tries to make awkwardly. Um, I felt like it was just visuals with no actual metaphorical connection to anything other than remember uh, this. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. That yeah, kind I, of I do think this movie pound for pound is better without the apple just because the the part that matters which is the idea of adam and the original sin or whatever being passed down is hammered home very aggressively already in this movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. without that you know um yeah i i don't know that he really needed the apple too but i Whatever, I'm down for it. When it comes to a horror movie, usually being too on the nose doesn't bother me that much. You know, like they just want to have visuals that they pull from to make something creepy. It just seemed like he did the trick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that we can talk about non-spoilery that doesn't require a, a shroud of secrecy to talk about. Um, I, I will first just echo without detailing all the scenes that I do think... Considering, in my memory, Alex Garland has never made anything that plays like a horror in the tension sense. Like, I understand that his movies are dark and creepy, and I, I guess there are scenes like the the boar, wild boar at Annihilation. Like, yeah. there's stuff that are kind of, like, haunting and maybe would be a jump scare for a second. I don't really remember. But in general, that isn't, like, the key that he plays in. And here, I feel like he does that tightening of the screws very very well like yeah. like you know just the scene of you know what's going to happen but you don't know when it's going to happen and he is willing to let that linger for way longer than a lot of directors would and i feel like that is very very effective like this movie before the final 20 minute crescendo of pure chaos that we'll go into <laughs> it is kind of just like a taut extremely uncomfortable movie that is doing a lot with very little in terms of like making you imagine how bad it's going to get and putting you in the in the mindset of a woman for whom because of men being terrible everything is a potential situation for violence and that like fear i think he does a really good job of uh of conveying that yeah yeah i 100 percent agree and that that is one of the things i i genuinely really appreciated about this film because i felt like i was on edge a lot because all that stuff was executed perfectly Cool. Well, shall we shall we uh, transition on through uh, verdicts so that we can get to some spoilers? Yep. Let's do it. All right, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? So I say this a lot, but this time I truly have been thinking about it for a while. <laughs> like, what answer <laughs> am I going to give here? I can't not have a caveat. Uh, so I think I have to do recommend with a caveat. Uh, the I'll bring the caveat first. The caveat is like there is a very good chance you will hate this movie. Um, <laughs> one out of four, probably two out of four people that we spoke to about this movie afterwards certainly walked away feeling very negative <laughs> thoughts about it. Um, like this is a movie that is in your face. It has a lot of Cronenbergian type body horror, which is not my jam or a lot of people's jams um this movie th the camera does not cut away when someone might cut away the camera wants to show you whatever the fuck <laughs> is being implied the camera's <laughs> like no nah, look at it look at it um and that is going to alienate people for sure also if you are looking for a sci-fi something with like a core premise and intellectual thing that you can just like noodle on for a long time this movie doesn't do that uh, but ultimately i'm unrecommend because i think Alex Garland is a great visual stylist and he remains a great visual stylist. I think Jesse Buckley is fantastic here. Um, toward the end, she has to just be like the, the classic horror protagonist who just responds to things. And that's like a kind of limiting role, but there are flashbacks where she's having a argument uh, repeatedly. And she is absolutely brilliant. I think in, in those scenes and really does get a chance to shine. Um, so great, Great character work, great visuals. The tension is pitch perfect. And even if this movie didn't make me think at the end, it did make me feel 
And I had echoes of that feeling for a while. And so I do think there there's reason to be glad a movie like this got made, even if caveat, you might totally hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, I am going to leave it at a wait for a rental. Um, I feel like all the caveats are the same. I just don't know if anybody needs to watch it. <laughs> like, I think if you watch it, there's a lot of stuff there to... Um, to find interesting, to celebrate being done well. I think the movie as a whole is sort of uh, a little bit messy. And um, it's, as we've said, so on the nose that it's like you, everything outside of the visuals, you get everything this film has to offer watching the trailer. Um, you get the haunting Jesse Buckley hollering into the the, the little cave opening thing. You get the pre- like the premise of all these men are one men. You get like everything this film has to offer is just right there in the trailer for you. And if you've seen the trailer outside of the shock of what you visually see later on in the film, you basically got everything that I think this film is going to deliver to you. So to me, it's hard for me to say like, yeah, you should go out and check this out. It's more like, hey, when this is available in two weeks because nobody sees the movie because word of mouth is probably going to be horrible for it, uh, you know, you can watch it. <laughs> yeah, everything ever all at once probably already has a bigger box office draw like this coming weekend than, <laughs> than men does. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I, I hear you there, though. I, I do, and I know we don't, you know, do point for point during verdicts usually, but I do want to say in terms of everything the movie has to offer being in the trailer. I think the the nuances of the real world thing that caused all of the chaos to happen is not in the trailer, and there's a lot there to kind of sink your teeth into. And I also think some of the creepier visuals and stuff are not even hinted at in the trailer. So I yeah, do think I it has things to surprise you and recommend to you. But I, yeah, the core I, I idea ex- for sure is Yeah, is I said except for the visuals themselves, and okay, that's, yeah. that's what I was kind of getting at. Um, mm-hmm. There is stuff to see, but I don't know if that stuff to see is better experienced... I mean, I guess technically it would be better experienced in a theater full of people going, what the fuck? (laughs) Instead of you being on your couch alone and like looking to either side going, please, somebody has to be watching this right now too, right? (laughs) Point taken. (laughs) So I don't know, maybe I need to raise it up. (laughs) Um, But no, I'll stick with Wait for Rental for now. Um, But uh, yeah, that is going to be it for the the non-spoiler section of this review. Um, We are going to close out right now and then get to spoilers after for people who have already seen the film or just don't care and want to hear about the crazy stuff that goes on in it. Um, But for now, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherMrillette.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, music for this episode, funny enough, <laughs> oh, for the last several episodes... I've been saying that our music uh, is a track selected from artist.io. Uh, that website turns out is artlist.io, uh, which is a real site. The other site is not an actual site. Um, so I this when when you when you search for licensed movie, I just clicked the link, signed up for an account, boom, I had it, and I never looked back. And I was always just going to the history of my browser, artlist.io is where the music for this episode will come come from. So hopefully you're enjoying that. That music is going to fade up. And when music fades out, we're going to be in some crazy territory. So get ready for it. We are back. This is spoiler territory. It's the after part of a review of men. We're going to be talking full bone spoilers. So watch out. Here they come. Um, all right. So, Stephen, right at the end there, um, right before we took the little break, um, you were mentioning the nuances of the conversations that are happening in the apartment and the flashbacks mm-hmm. before the inciting event that causes all the stuff to start. Um, 
Do you mind if we start there? And do you mind sure. if I ask my my <laughs> my usual weird Christopher Schnazy question about that whole situation? Totally. All right. So uh we see this couple fighting. Um they are they are breaking up. They are a married couple. She wants to leave him. She's going to get a divorce. He is trying to force her to stay by threatening to take his own life. Um, he does, in fact, die after an altercation that they, that they go through. Um, it is shot in a very sp specific way. It is shown in that way in all the flashbacks. And we have that moment with her on the bench talking to the priest about the events that happened. And while he was threatening to take his own life, the the text of the film, and I would argue the visuals of the film, argue that he was actually trying to hop from the top balcony down onto their balcony and slipped and fell. Mm. Um, going back to my earlier statements about Alex Garland and his mixed metaphors, what do you think the purpose of introducing a character who is making the threats that he does and implying that the death itself, even having followed the threats, was completely unrelated to the threat and was actually just a mishap that took place as he was trying to be an aggressive male? Yeah, that it is a good question, and it really might speak to a mixing of metaphors. Um, I'll be honest, even though the language of the film showed me that he was trying to grab onto the rail... I didn't internalize it that way for the sake of, like, my takeaway of the movie. Um, I guess the way I would square the circle is I would say that by doing that, even if he had succeeded, he was trying to shock and scare. Like, I don't think there's any world where he just is trying to get there because that is the most convenient way to get to the apartment, you know, yeah. from where he is as a pragmatic thing. Like, I think it still ties to his threat. And I think he is trying to say, look, I am serious. Look at the lengths I will go for you. In a, in a weird way, it could even have a hint of the, like, misplaced romanticism that is one of the many forms of toxic toxic masculinity the movie talks about of like look i will do anything for you i'll risk life and limb i you know yeah. i'm the i'm the landlord who even though you say don't go out there i'm like nope gotta do it gotta do it look at me look at me um <laughs> so yeah i don't i don't know because it, like when when i talk about the conversations being great especially with jesse buckley it is particularly the the emotion and conviction that she brings when she is going through this whole cycle of how could you put this on me? Like, how could you say this kind of thing to me? How could you blame me for this? And she kind of goes in waves of like feeling scared and apologetic and then ultimately like deeply angry and saying, this is not fair. You have to leave. Yeah. Um, and that, that all works better if he truly did this on purpose. But if if it was an accident during his purposeful gesture to prove that he means business, I think the movie is still the same way either way. Maybe all it adds is that inside of even these toxic, terrible men, there is something pathetic and unsure of itself and frail. And I think that is another visual the movie plays with later in <laughs> a set piece that we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> so maybe this is a hint of that too, is like he is all of those evil things. And then he is also at his core, something uncertain and cowardly. And that is like him getting stuck in the worst of all worlds because he doesn't even understand what drives his behavior. And like, there's like a little glimpse of the, the real him, the him without all of the inherited evilness, like wanting to change the situation, but it's too late. I don't know. That's a whole lot of words for, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to it, me, he might, he might as well have taken his own life. Like whether, whether or not the language of the film shows us that he was trying to do otherwise. Yeah. It, it's, I guess for me, one of the reasons I struggle with it is because, you know, just watching the flashbacks alone and like even with the context of the trailer, the way even the priest has that that statement of like, you must wonder why you drove him to it. Um, mm -hmm. 
like even just plucking that out of the trailer, I had all the context I need for how that scene is going to play out. And then the character explicitly makes the threat. So I'm like, all right, cool. We're there. I'm with you. And it's really not until I listen to the to the conversation on the bench with the priest in general, where she from her own mouth says, uh, then what happened next is he went upstairs. He forced himself into the, the flat upstairs. And once you initiate that, it's because if he was going to do one thing, it doesn't require you to force yourself into the upstairs neighbor's thing, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that however you want. You can you have roof access. There's like a bunch of things you could do. So it, it, it adds, it's so much detail that it feels extremely conscious mm-hmm. to state that what happened was in fact an accident. It, it's, it feels like it, like my, my concert, my conservative, my, my uh, trying to, trying to give credit to what I think maybe he was going for is he wanted the scenario to allow for somebody to blame her. Um, so it's not him acting himself. It is she created a situation for which he had to go on the ledge of the balcony. Mm-hmm. And that's how he died was because she wouldn't let him in the door. And if she would have only let him in the door, he would still be alive. Mm-hmm. Like that's my conservative sort of like way of going like, okay, if I'm trying to go with what the character would be saying now, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, then maybe that's what it was going for. But it feels so strange to like take a straightforward. This is the, this is the, this is the type of toxic man we're looking at. He is going to make threats against somebody who is willing to leave them. Um, and then it like flips it on its head with this like, well, he wasn't really going to do that, but then like it accidentally happened, and, and uh, something about it just yeah. it, it weirded me out, and I can't like square the yeah whatever. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I think it, it's kind of having its cake and eating it too, because either of those in isolation would be a perfectly fine root story, and the movie would work exactly correctly. Whether it is that he was being very aggressive and she told him to leave and then he did that and it was clear that it was him trying to get back inside or he was making threats and then she left and then she found out that he intentionally took his life right like either of those were fine this in between the best i can say again is that no one in alex garland movies really have agency and he doesn't either like he seems it's this demon inside of it. It's this thing, which I'm not saying that to absolve men in the movie or in real life of their behavior, but like in the language of the movie, it is like this inherited, passed down toxicity, right? Yeah. And like, it's almost like the toxicity inside of him made things be the way they are, even if he believed in that moment that he was doing it for a different reason. And that that's kind of why it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, yeah. I guess in my head, this is like, a, and I'm going to bleep the name of this film um, just so that I'm not spoiling a different film. But to me, in any other film, this would be like a situation where mm-hmm. this is the key that lets you recontextualize the rest of the film. Like everybody assumes one thing and there's this one line or this one piece of information that is what everyone needs to understand what really happened. But it's like, this is such a different kind of film that I like wonder why that effort was put into like, so doubt in the, the inciting act that caused everything to start and begin. But yeah. Yeah. I don't have a good answer. Cool. But Jesse fucking kills it in those scenes. (laughs) Literally. Between that and the lost daughter, she is just like, really good at flashback arguments i feel like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I wonder i wonder too how long like in those scenes is it just like we're gonna let the camera roll and you just need to work yourself up into like a frenzy and just just do it as many times as you need to and we'll just pick the take that's great because like it i mean it's hard to know whether those are full entire scenes of dialogue and then they're cutting the flashback to be the important moments of it or if it's like this is the line just do this line several times and then we'll pick the one that feels the most emotional from all the different angles and stuff like that like i'd be curious to know how those scenes are actually thought out and 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 sort of captured and and acted um you know given given the rest of the uh, wild across the board mixed metaphors i would i would assume that they're individual lines that he's recording (laughs) but you know maybe not (laughs) 
<laughs> who knows um yeah so 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 what's next what, what are we gonna talk about next uh let's see i mean we've already talked about naked adam walking around i i just wanted to highlight i like the progression of his character design where at first he is just seems to be a naked man albeit a strange naked man um you know creepy great creepy visual like that seeing that guy in your backyard just ooh, i that worked so well on me and it you know i've lightly made fun of joanna before because when she watches movies she always seems to be feeling whatever the character is feeling so like if the character is sad her face looks very sad and if they're like <laughs> scared she looks scared and i'm always like wow how how empathetic like how can you do that yeah with that scene i felt that for jesse buckley where i was like fuck fuck he's right there shit, shit. Like, like i felt like terrified of when the guy was going to peek through the window in a very um successful horror movie way but anyway then as he goes on adam is like uh, i'm just calling him adam i i guess he just represents adam i don't know yeah i mean uh, naked guy in the forest like, uh <laughs> yeah he he is like you know cutting himself and then putting like fig leaves in his body like you know like adam covering himself with fig leaves and then by the end he is basically like sprouted leaves everywhere and it it is a very like midsummery interesting visual and i was i was into it yeah. Yeah, it is interesting though like like it's like he is modifying himself to match like the weird stone pillar in the church. Um mm -hmm. but like does the character know he's doing is he is he purposely trying to mimic the statue because he thinks that's what he he needs to do or is he possessed by the entire legacy of toxic masculinity and it's causing him to become the statue? Who can know? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, do we do we leap forward and talk about the hand? Let, let's let's talk about the hand. The the single greatest okay. uh, <laughs> oh, the single creepy. greatest innovation in cinema since uh, yeah, color. sliced hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not not since uh, the machete in the arm in Green Room have I been so uh, so shocked by the cutting of a hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there is a, a hand effect um, that appears in this film uh, where uh, a person has what is essentially their entire forearm severed um, and it seems to not bother them <laughs> and mm -hmm. they go on life performing normal activities like washing both halves of the hand and doing other activities and including this one incredibly oppressive it's like the it's like holding somebody down on both shoulders but with one yep. arm that is split in half that goes around both heads or, or, or both ha halves of the hand go around Jesse yep. Buckley's head and it, it, it like it's the it's like somebody had the idea of like what if like the split of the hand is this thing that we repeatedly use this image and then somebody said like yeah but what if we treat it like as a utilitarian thing and just go on acting with the split hand for the rest of the film? And I, I just thought that was like a brilliant visual effect um, and yeah. creepy as hell and and super rad, too. Yeah. Well, and like just the the slicing of the hand and arm. You're right. It's, it's much more than the hand. Like <laughs> the, the arm goes through the mail slot. Um, she already... You know, we are getting the sense this is like, again, a villain that has everything preordained and like it is fine with her hurting it or it wants her to hurt it. It certainly doesn't seem to care. Um, and so she like stabs it and then it just like pulls slowly and the camera makes us watch <laughs> as this like knife rips from the from the arm all the way through in between the fingers like alex yeah, yeah. garland but but it gets stuck he on the wants wrist us to feel so gross yeah it oh yeah gets, it gets stuck on the wrist for a while yeah it gets stuck <laughs> on the wrist for obvious reasons and the character has yeah. to decide like it, it's like in, in every other film where like two people are sword fighting and then like one person gets stabbed through the chest and then like the stronger bad guy will like pull the hero towards them like yeah. it's like that sort of moment all the way until it gets to the wrist and then it's like huh what do I do now I guess I just continue to cut my hand yep. open and it just pulls it through and it yeah it was great it, it is great and I, and I think that does again fit with the uh, 
the metaphor, like like the particular type of thing that makes these this like men character so bad in all these ways is it's like wanting wanting Jesse Buckley to hurt them so they can then rub her face in it. You know, like like literally in this case, like stab me, my arm is right here. I am going to self-inflict this one wound into a much larger wound, and I'm going to literally hold you down with it later. And I think that, like, I feel like there's some intentionality to that, uh, but it's a cool visual, even if there's no intentionality. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's by the end of the movie, I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm sure I'm taking exactly the wrong thing from this moment, but this is rad as hell. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for the action figures. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, comes the birthing scene. Uh, scenes. <laughs> scenes, yes. Yes, many. Uh, so, you know, we've hinted at the metaphor many times here. This is clearly like toxic masculinity as an inherited trait. You know, uh, Adam is walking towards her and he gets swollen in childbirth and gives birth as we see a close-up of a vagina as far as i can like can tell <laughs> being created um in his body so child version of him can come out already that sequence like i don't know exactly how long it took it felt like five minutes of yeah. just watching that birthing scene happen yeah. and i was like wow this is Right. This is like so much more than Titan in terms of how uncomfortable I am. <laughs> yeah. But honest question. What percentage of the back of your brain was thinking of Ace Ventura, the, the, the second, the sequel, when he, <laughs> when he pops out of the back of that hidden rhino thing? <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, thankfully, zero. <laughs> okay. I was like maybe 15% thinking about that. <laughs> That's what was happening. Yeah, I... I, I mean, I will be honest, but it doesn't mean I was horrified in that moment either. I think I was laughing. I was kind of like, no, you're not fucking doing yeah, this. Like, Are you like kidding me? The uncomfortable, like, I'm I'm slightly giggling because I don't know how to handle yeah. what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah. And then the little, you know, the, the boy version, uh, teenage Rory or whatever, he is same exact thing starts happening to him and he gives birth i i believe again through a vagina that has sprouted i don't think we've yet started switching to different orifices but maybe we have um <laughs> does does that one start from his back or is it the next person yeah who starts from i think maybe it does uh, it might be the next one because because then comes the priest version of him and i think he it happens from his back okay and that brings us to the landlord version of him who then from his mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, the, like the repeat, I swear to God, this whole sequence is like at least 10 minutes of just like us watching this happen one after another. And like the first time it is a shock. The first time it's like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable. Every other time it is the discomfort of knowing what is about to happen. It, it's like a... Is he going to do it again? Let me look at that stomach. Oh, it's getting bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then culminating, of course, in her husband at, at the very end. And thus we have completed the metaphor of how he inherited all of these terrible traits. Yeah, is that it? So it's, it's, it's bent forward, bent backwards, out the back, out the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to memorize this. Yeah, and then you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. <laughs> The aristocrats. <laughs> but yeah, um, so it, it was a trip. It was definitely a trip. Yep, a hundred percent. And it was a uh, very bloody and very. I'm not going to rank the the visual effects of the birthing scene because I I was too busy being horrified to maybe like think deeply about how realistic or not realistic it was. But I think compared to the young boy CGI face. <laughs> I think the CGI birthing was pretty believable. So, so by that bar, I think it was a success at least. Yeah, I, I think that like part of it is is it doesn't hit Uncanny Valley because it's so not like you don't see somebody carry a full ag adult to term 
within like two minutes and then birth it out in real time. So it, it, it is so unusual that we don't have a frame of reference for the exactly what we're looking at. So it doesn't feel yeah. as uncanny as that, that stupid boy's little stupid yeah. transposed face. <laughs> yeah. Like, like even old, it takes like a few minutes for birthing to happen. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw old. I didn't. Okay. Well, spoilers for old. If anyone doesn't know the premise of that yet. Yeah. I've listened to some spoiler conversations about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one thing is that those visuals in this movie don't, they don't need to feel like they have heft because this feels less like a real thing that's happening and more a like ghostly stage player performance for her to present some, it, it, it's like the spirit or whatever wants her to understand something culminating in her husband. Yeah, and so if it's weightless or CG or whatever, it just doesn't feel wrong because that whole sequence feels like make-believe anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's another one of the things that like sort of plays back into the mixed metaphors that make me like think not necessarily in a good way about this film is is that like there is one version of this story where there is this weird forest deity that's just birthing out these shitty men who are literally the same one and there's just this village full of this one guy <laughs> and that is what she has stumbled into. But like... It only exists as metaphor. Like, like yes, theoretically, she is physically experiencing this stuff in her reality because her friend shows up at the end and, like, sees the results of everything having had happened. So it's not a... It's not like a psychotic break or anything that she's experiencing. Like, we have to take at face value that these physical events transpired in this space. But it's not a... I haven't... I haven't wandered into this midsummer cult... <laughs> <laughs> that has been birthing the same child for hundreds of millennia, right? <laughs> it, it, it's it's just the manifestation of everything she's going through happening in reality. So that's like, yeah, it's I I don't know how to how to grok all that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Man, am I right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. Yeah, and any last things that you would like to talk about for this, Stephen? No, I think I think I'm good on men. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we give up men for good then? Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. We're gonna take off then. Hope you all enjoyed this review. Um and uh we'll we'll be back eventually with a review of Top Gun. Um it might be delayed someday by by a little bit, but um but yeah, we'll 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 have a Top Gun review somehow, some way in the somewhat near future. All right, bye. See ya.